Hello, you're listening to the Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! And we're from the otakuspirit.com website, where you can go follow our anime, new and old. Great comedian in the form links at the top, social media links on the right side, and all that good stuff. And today's episode is our spring 2020 anime season reviews part one, question mark? Yes, it's technically, it's going to be more than one part. <laughs> just uh, The question marks more for how many parts it'll be. I think it's just going to be two parts. But um, yes, uh, sp- uh, the, the reviews sneak up really really quick like out of nowhere suddenly it seems like everything's dropping off the cues and that's usually a, a sign that it's time to review stuff <laughs> uh so this episode we have kakushigoto ghost in the shell standalone complex 2045 yes i watched that the eighth son are you kidding me my next life as a villainess all routes lead to doom seeing yesterday for me uh, ascendance of a bookworm season two tower of god listeners and this is the weird one Dodo Hedoro. Yes, I know Dorohedoro is technically a winter 2020 season anime, but I figured I'd just throw it in here. That way it doesn't get put up for posting in two years. <laughs> if I record it separately, it would take forever to get posted. And it kind of technically released in this season, so I thought, hey, why not just throw it in the actual season? It was posted on by Netflix. Thank you, Netflix, as always, for doing that. Um, but yes, uh, pretty packed episode. I kind of debated putting a couple of these more bigger titles into the other episode but i think we have plenty of good stuff in the other episode i mean we have bna releasing next week that we'll watch if netflix doesn't screw up and delay it further i don't see. trust netflix with anything <laughs> so don't even look at me like that <laughs> we'll see uh but we'll be having to binge the heck out of that next week just to get it knocked out quickly because that like i mentioned in our previews that was technically the one that I was most excited for. it's a trigger show i'm excited for yeah which is a rare frame for Andrew. Mm. <laughs> let's keep that. Let's put that on the record. Uh, but yes, uh, since we do have a lot of stuff to go through, I guess we should just jump right into it. Uh, go through each of these titles. Give you the title, the Japanese name, uh, where you can watch it at, studios, good information about it. And then give our thoughts on how it ended up in the end. Starting things off with Kakushigoto. This one streamed on Funimation, ran for 12 episodes. Done by studio Aja, Aja Do. 
The source is a manga. The genres are slice of life comedy shonen. And the creator was Koji Kumita, who, of course, is the mangaka that also did Sayonara Zetsuba Sensei and Joshiraku. So, good stuff there. And this follows a guy named Kakushigoto. He is a man when he was in the delivery room for his daughter. <laughs> a bunch of the nurses kind of uh, recognized him as being this particular mangaka that does a very kind of crude humor, sexual crude humor type comedy manga. And he was very embarrassed <laughs> with his, his newly born child, Hime. And so he made it a vow that he was going to keep it a secret from his daughter that he is a mangaka because he thinks that it's something that to be embarrassed about, I guess. So it kind of just follows him. It kind of jumps forward to a little bit later. His wife has passed away. Uh, Hime is, I don't know, what, about five or so? Question mark. She's very young. Yeah, she's young. I think she's about five years old. And uh, he's taking care of her, of course, and going to work. He kind of fakes out that he's a salary man, so he gets all dressed up in an unusual business suit, uh, walks her to school, and then runs off to some location, some store that he knows the owner, gets changed into his, you know, more loose outfit with his little uh, seat cushion, and then goes off to his studio where he does manga. And then he goes back, changes, goes to see Hime, and then that's so it goes. It's kind of a two-parter show. Well, I technically would say three-parter if you include the latter, latter part of the, each episode. So each of the episode, most of the majority of the show is a two-parter. It's between uh, kind of are comedy you, regarding... Out of, out of curiosity, are you talking about the main line of Hime? There's no way she's five. I would put her more at 11 to 15 better that way. Okay. I just, just I can't just, judge just the age of lollies <laughs> like Chris can. I'm sorry. Well, mostly because uh, when uh, when they did the future time frame, then they kind of implied that she was she just got 18. Yeah, she had just, she just turned, turned 18, 18 in the future, and it was it was like five years from the point in which he. Oh, that the, makes sense. The events were. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, but anyways, each episode, the majority of it is split between two parts. You do have pretty much. Uh, Goto as he's working doing his manga work and it's, a lot of it's kind of mangaka manga creation humor and then the other half is pretty much him taking care of Hime, keeping the secret from Hime and you just kind of raising a child essentially and then the very last like 30 minutes of every episode is a jump forward to kind of this mystery of Hime now again 18 years old uh, discovering the place where she technically was spent a majority of her early, early childhood, uh, a home that is almost exactly the same as his their current home, and this kind of mystery that where is Goto? What happened to Goto? Is he, he's not there anymore, and so trying to find out what was going on there. So, your thoughts on uh, Kakushi Goto? Um, this one I really, it, I, 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 I truly love this show. I, I. I love the 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 storyline, the the bittersweetness of it, the 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 kind of innocence uh, that is all captured into this this show, and yet at the same time, I do have this kind of nagging issue with it. It it tended to get a little bit bogged down in kind of the humor involved in mangakas, which normally we, it doesn't really we we kind of enjoy a lot of that stuff, but. A lot of the humor involved in this 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 particular story was not really hitting that well. 
Um, I did love the, getting some kind of background on some of that stuff, but when it came down to it, really the the heart and soul uh, should have more been more focused around uh, the the interplay between Hime and and, and Kakushigoto. Um, they 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 had a just phenomenal um, kind of interactions when when they were on on together. Um, some a lot of the other characters were a lot of fun. They they each one of them for different reasons. You have the the sensei who who's constantly on and on about uh, trying to capture the uh, anybody who's sneaking up on on anybody. So it was it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of uh, goofy stuff in here. Just I I can't I can't suggest it enough. I think like there's all these issues and then but there's it's really cute in this thing and I can't suggest enough. <laughs> It's like that last well, little it, bit. There is, so all I got to do is sound bite you and cut off that last word, and it makes it seem. Like I, I like, do. I do really, really. En- I did really enjoy myself watching the show. Yes, I had my issues with it, but I did really enjoy myself with it. I'm just joking about your choice of words at the end there. It could be cut, and then it sounds like you're just saying I can't suggest it <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I kind of dis. I think we discussed this in the first impressions, or maybe it was a discussion between me and Chris. Is I, I don't necessarily the the thing that bogged down the show was really just the mangaka humor and i it wasn't so much that it didn't like i don't like mangaka humor it's just that it wasn't anything i haven't heard before <laughs> and that's the problem it's like now i do like basically the jokes i've heard before about mangakas now with you know sayonara sensei despair faces every two seconds which is totally a, a fun callback to his previous work but it's I think I maybe had two points in the entire show when it was involving the mangakas and uh, manga creation where I learned something new. The rest of it was stuff I've heard before, stuff I've heard referenced before that's been made of fun of before. So that was my big issue with it is like, okay, now here's a here's another mangaka basically that has a successful previous show, uh, thing now just taking the punches at the entire industry, which is perfectly fine. I, like I said, I, I've had there was certain times in there where it was, something was brought up and it was like, wow, that was a huge jab, and I haven't really seen a mangaka really kind of take a right hook at something like that. But for the most part, it was just kind of the same old jokes, just with a different you know paint on it. But what I did like was kind of the the hiding the 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 whole job from Hime. I like the the character points between Hime and Goto. Those were even though I'm saying Hime Goto and it's it's Hime Goto and it's with. <laughs> Kakushi and his daughter. <laughs> I enjoyed those moments with them together. Those were really, really cute. And then it was all kind of bookended with this whole what happened to Goto thing at the end of it, which was kind of a total... They're not... It's it's funny because they're not like... Uh, they're cliffhangers that they're just throwing at the end of it, but it's technically just kind of a a very short story backdropping the rest of it that almost seemed like a tease at the end. But yeah, it was... um. Really enjoy the moments, the character moments between the the father and daughter. Like I said, the the mangaka stuff is just kind of humor I've seen before. Not that it wasn't badly done. It was it, they executed it very well with this one. Um, so I'm kind of in a I'm kind of in a mid to high with it. I, I enjoyed it all the way through. Got a, a few good laughs out of it. Couple of new insights into the mangaka mindset, and um, got some really cute moments with um, a father and a daughter, which I think were. We always enjoy. I mean, something like something in the effect of something like, um, you know, Bunny Drop or something like that is is always really really sweet. You really do get a 
strong sense from him that he is a very doting father. You see his protectiveness to her. Um, it, it's, it's all really well done in the point that you just really do feel this is a, a dad that wants to take care of his daughter. And that's always really, really heartwarming to watch. So how, and, and how every woman in the world thinks that he <laughs> wants to marry them. <laughs> No, it's, it's every woman in this entire area wants to marry him, and he has that very little clue of any of it. They have, like, this whole segment where you have the whole track meet thing at the school, and he's sitting there with, like, five possible moms. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, why are they here? Why is the why is the florist here? Why, why is the teacher sitting down next to you with the, the little uh, stranger danger trapper thing? <laughs> no, I was going to ask you, and so I'm glad you brought that up, is, but... Which one do you think is the prime choice for him? If if there is a future Mrs. Goto, which I kind of had a feeling like it was kind of leaning in toward the direction of Rasuna, but who do you think was I, I I have a soft spot for Ichiko though. I think she was just absolutely adorable. The the teacher was was easily probably my favorite out of all of them, but each one of them had their own little charm. I mean, but yeah, I I I didn't really even see the other uh, mangaka as a as a possible match because she didn't really feel like that. But yeah, I think that he would have he would have worked really well with her more than most of the any of the other ones. But yeah, I I if as far as the ones that were potential, uh, it would probably been Sensei. So yeah, yeah, she's just way too cute. Of course, she technically was early on with it, too. So we got plenty of of fun little scenes with them, too, really early on. So that kind of helps. Yeah, good little show. If you're looking for some comedy, you know, around the manga industry, um, about mangakas, their mindset about things, a lot of fun little references in there. The the final chapter aspect, uh, the colored pages, jokes, all of them kind of mixed in there. Um, but it, on the side, it has this little mixture of this really cute little mother or mother, <laughs> father and daughter relationship that was really, really cute. So check that out if that seems interesting to you. Kakushigoto. Uh, let's see here. Ghost in the Shell. Standalone Complex 2045. Now, this is one that released on Netflix here a little bit ago, probably a month ago. Uh, they had a little bit of delay on the dub, but that's just kind of the industry right now with the pandemic. Uh, the Japanese title is Kokaku uh, Kido Tai SAC 2045. This one streamed again on, t- on Netflix, ran for 12 episodes. They already have a second season, apparently. I guess it technically isn't a second season. I've heard people say it's technically was supposed to be 24, but they're just split coring it. So, uh, Studio is Production IG with Sola Digital Arts. The sources of manga, the genres are action, military, sci-fi, police, mecha, and seinen. The creator, of course, is Masum. Masamune uh, Shiro, Shiro, who did uh, go to the original Ghost in the Shell and Appleseed and Dominion. Uh, the director was Kenji Kamiyama, who did Blade Runner, Black Lotus, Eden of the East, Gets uh, Standalone Complex, Gets uh, Solid State Society, and the 2019 Ultraman. Alongside the other director was Shinji Aramaki, who did also Appleseed, uh, Evangelion, and other Impact. Uh, course also did a co-work with uh, Ultraman 2019 and Blade Runner Black Lotus. So, decent directors working on it? <laughs> we can't fail, right? <laughs> uh, this one takes place in 2045. You follow, of course, uh, Major Kosanagi along with her team. 
that they're not currently working with the uh, security section nine at the time. They are working for a group called Obsidian and they are working in the Southern American area, uh, kind of doing different work for them. At some point you kind of run into uh, the old director Daisuke and he is kind of trying to, he's been commissioned by the uh, prime minister to put together section nine again so he's kind of trying to find out where Major and her kind of band is at. And at some point, uh, the Major and her team is working on a job, and they are confronted by a guy named John Smith. And he's working for the U.S. government and pretty much against their will <laughs> forces them to have to do a bunch of training and then uh, do a job. They're, he's not going to describe what's going on with the job. It's all kind of secretive. And it's to basically they kind of find out that they are trying to find – uh, post-humans, as, the, as John Smith and his team has deemed them. Uh, but post-humans are basically like what they see. They don't really know what they are, where it kind of caused them. They just know that they seem to be like the next level of which people are going to. Every person that is deemed a post-human at some point gets a really bad fever, then wakes up, has a lot of changes in their attitude, uh, their appetite, everything kind of changes. And then they kind of all seem to act in a certain way. They all kind of have some kind of justice they're, justice they're trying to kind of enact. Like early on, we have one of them is just going around to everybody that's involved in not legal immigration and killing them. So they all seem to have some kind of thing they're kind of focused on. They're doing uh, despite their family not being able to stop them or in some cases them killing their family members. Uh, so yeah, that's basically the, the gist of it. They're trying to get sec uh, Section 9 back together, find these post-humans, and take down the post-humans. So what's your thoughts on standalone? <laughs> well, I thought... <laughs> what do you think of the intro, I guess? It's about the only thing I've shown you on it. Uh, no, I, at some point I kind of went to Chris and said, I want, you to, I want you to watch something again. And so I went back to the original Ghost in the Shell, played the intro, that iconic music opening up. Uh, beautiful animation. Yeah, like two very brief snippets of some old school CGI, but for the most part, like just beautiful animation, just just iconic song. And I'm like, okay, now watch this one. And I switched on Standalone Complex 2045, and it's got like this really weird, I don't know, money, money, money kind of song playing in the background, and it's good animation. I mean, the CGI and the animation of like the creation of uh, Kusanagi was great, it's just like the music doesn't match it <laughs> at all. And I'm just, I'm like, where's the cool song and the, you know, the jingling bells that have been so iconic? It just seems so different. I know, Chris was okay with it. Not the music. Not the music. Okay, well, you're on the same page as I am then. Okay. No, I, <laughs> I thought I, you said I, the entire we, thing. We was even okay. discussed that, that I, 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 I didn't really feel the music that much. So, yeah, that's, that's really the, the holding point for me, I guess. So, Anyways, so I'm a hu I well, not, I'm gonna say I'm a huge Ghost in the Shell fan. I mean, I, I've watched every single Ghost in the Shell that's ever kind of come across my plate. I don't actively seek out because I think there's like one series I haven't watched yet. Um, but every time I do get a, a, a Ghost in the Shell that crosses my path, I enjoy it. I mean, even stuff like uh, I know that a lot of people didn't like Standalone Complex, the Arise. I enjoyed Arise. I, it's not that I really ever technically enjoy the overall story. I just really enjoy like the, the the world that he creates and 
the cool tech and stuff that's in there. It's, it's something that I've always enjoyed. Action scenes are always kind of uh, something I'm drawn to as well. I always enjoy the the action scenes involving tech and the cyber brains and all that kind of stuff. It's it's very enjoyable. It kind of just adds a whole other, I guess, dimension to a normal action scene, which is always enjoyable. I wasn't feeling the CGI at first, of course. I mean, the PVs and everything, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is the whole thing where they're trying to make it overly, you know, detailed and then have these anime-looking characters kind of thrown in there. Oddly enough, it's like every single one of the characters don't really look very anime-ish, except for Major and uh, uh, Putin, this girl that shows up later out of nowhere that for some reason gets way too much attention versus the other characters, which is kind of odd. Everybody else kind of looks very kind of, uh, you know, they're not really going for, like, full realism because they have, like, the the cool kind of cel-shaded look to their the characters. And they give them, like, kind of, like, a hand-drawing uh, cheekbone structures and stuff like that, even though it's a full CGI character. So I think they did a really good job of it. And, and the other kind of bonus thing is it, it wasn't cut like they normally do with CGI shows where they cut the frames to where it looks like, quote-unquote, anime uh, where they're, you know, purposely cutting away. It actually looks very smooth and very flowing, which is very much a, a, a welcome thing in my opinion. I really do. I'm not a huge fan of the cutting frame thing that Japan seems to love to do. <laughs> um, and the action scenes are really well done. The animation for it's really well done. There's certain points here and there where things kind of seem stiff, especially like cars turning a corner and stuff. It looks like, I don't know, I guess I guess the vehicles could be rotating their back tires <laughs> to work that way. But for the most part, the animation looks really good. Uh, the action scenes look very good. Um, I would I would say that most of the action scenes is kind of a 50-50 thing for me because half the action scenes, half of the action scenes feels very kind of uninspired. But then there's this other half that just, just kind of works and looks really good. So it, it's kind of a 50-50 for the action scenes themselves. The story itself. Now, here, this is where I'm going to get some heavy criticism. I'm going to put some heavy criticism on this show. I, it almost feels like it doesn't know where it wants to go with the whole thing. Because early on, it's all about, uh, you know, the whole idea of boosting the economy with global war. They're basically trying to manufacture war just to keep the economy stable. Uh, there's this whole economic synchronization, global default thing that happens and they're just trying to put money in the system by causing war. And then it quickly shifts into the whole uh, uh, post-human thing, which I do like. I think that's pretty cool. They they definitely made it to where it feels like these post-humans are a huge threat. And you kind of want to see what it's go, where it goes with it. And then the later part, they get in this whole kind of thing with uh, Togusa and he, him getting involved with trying to really find where the po- this one particular post-human is. And it just kind of stops. <laughs> it just literally just stops. I immediately texted Chris and I'm like, wow, this show had like a nasty cliffhanger and it sucks. <laughs> like it was – I haven't had that bad of a cliffhanger in forever, which again is technically – attributed to the fact that it's supposed to be 24 episodes and they're doing some type of split core. But it was still a really nasty spot to leave it at when anybody that's wanting to watch this is going to want to come to a, some kind of stopping point, but not a stopping point like that. So I, I, I want to give it a huge knock on... Not so much a knock, but some a warning to people that will want to go to watch this. 
it's almost like I want to suggest waiting until the other half comes out because it doesn't necessarily conclude anything and it gets to a point where it kind of does something that's it seems like it could be really interesting if it goes in that direction and I don't know if it's going to because it literally just like cliffhangered it <laughs> that's what really sucks um, but I, I am en- I am enjoying it and, it, and that's the funny thing, because it, it's one of those shows where when I'm watching it and the ending credits pop, I go, wait, was that a 10-minute ten- ten episode? And I hit the thing, and I'm like, no, that was a full-length episode. It is one of those shows that, for me anyways, I kind of get lost in it, and at some point I don't realize that, man, I, I just went through 20, 20 minutes or so of an episode, let's watch the next one. So it, it it's a very enjoyable show. Action scenes are kind of 50-50. I do like the post-human thing, and I think that it could be something really cool going forward. Uh, the English voice acting is good. So I I did try uh, to watch a few episodes of it in English dub, and I wasn't cringing. <laughs> so that's always a good sign when, when somebody that really enjoys subtitles more than dubs watches it in English uh, dub and was not cringing. Uh, but at the same time, it was difficult to do that because there's a lot of really good Japanese voice actors that I do love and enjoy their work. That was kind of pulling me back in the other direction. I'm sad they spent too much time on Purin and not all these other characters that are much more iconic. I mean, technically, Bato had an episode. Uh, technically, Tagusa had a lot of uh, character moments or points that he got to do. Uh, he took a focus of the show quite a bit. Uh, everybody else kind of just got left in the background, which is kind of unfortunate. And I also kind of feel like Major didn't really feel like the Major. <laughs> like, she wasn't the badass that she usually is. Um, which is was just a struggle, because I've always known Major Kusanagi of being, like, this badass, you know, taking on everything. And there's a few points where I feel like they kind of pulled the reins back on her, I guess, just to make everybody else shine. So, But it's good. It looks good. Um, once I got used to the CGI, it actually looks very good, very smooth animation. Um, got some cool story points in there somewhere that, that, that hopefully they'll go with. But I'll have to wait and see when the second half comes out, whenever. Um, you got me, Netflix. Thanks for the, the, the drop. <laughs> but yeah, if any of, them, any of that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. I, I know it's getting a lot of flack, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's CGI. Um, but I mean, it still has the same directors, same writers. I mean, it, it's just in a different format visually, which I think, yeah, there's issues with it there, but I think for the most part, it, they did, they did a good job with it. And I always enjoy the, the little crab robots that I'm completely blanking on what they're called. They're always a lot of fun in the show and you get a like super Steve jobs in it. Like a super mode Steve Jobs in it. What's what what's not to enjoy about a show that has like an insanely kung fu Steve Jobs in it? Um, the Think Pool stuff was interesting too because the Think Pool kind of is a it, it's kind of like the whole thing with um, uh, Gotchaman crowds. They they kind of do that whole global voting thing, um, the whole social trial by social media thing, which was kind of interesting to see that kind of played out in a actual story. So. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. That's that's the thing that I've always enjoyed about Ghost in the Shells. It's kind of seeing this theoretical future where things we kind of may dabble in right now with, with technology. They just go, let's just throw that into the future and make it real. 
So trial by social media, we kind of do it here. They're like, let's make that one step further and get people killed over it. That's... What's even spookier? That makes me to, not like the future. <laughs> what's even spookier is to know that he wrote this a while back. Because isn't this a manga? I don't know if adaptation? this particular part of it is technically part of the original manga. No, I, I think it was maybe written later. Wrote later. Double check. Yeah, I don't think this was based off a of manga. It's based off the original manga, but I think the stories in here are not based off of manga. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong though. Somebody that's a huge fan way more than I am will probably correct us very swiftly, so we'll see. Uh, let's move on to The Eighth Sun. Are you kidding me? Or Hachinan Tete Sore wa Nai Desho. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll, around for 12 episodes. The studio is Synergy SP and Shin E Animation. The source is a light novel. The genres are action and fantasy. And uh, this one follows a boy named, well, I don't remember exactly what his name was when he was an adult. He was 25 years old, and at some point he goes to sleep, and he's in modern times, of course. Goes to sleep, and then when he wakes up, when he opens his eyes, he is now a six-year-old boy in a grand hall, (laughs) surrounded by nobles, and he is now the son of the Baumeister family, the noble family of Baumeister, and he really has no clue who he is, where he's at, and he's kind of finding out slowly that he is, as the title would suggest, the eighth son of the Baumeister noble family. They are living out in the sticks in the southern areas of this kingdom, and they are dirt poor. (laughs) And uh, the part he's at is kind of this commemoration of the wedding of his one of his brothers off to another family and um so he's like again trying to figure out who he is find out things about the world he doesn't really it kind of really quickly after the first about five minutes kind of quickly forgets the fact that he's from another world and just kind of swirly focuses on his new life (laughs) it gives up really quickly compared to most these sick guys uh, but at some point, he is uh, rummaging around in a library of his father's. Um, his father apparently has no clue what any of the books are. He just has them in there as decoration. Uh, they're just kind of random books. And at some point, he finds this little orb thing that helps people find if they have kind of the aptitude for magic. And come to find out, big shock here, spoilers, he does have the aptitude for magic. And uh, it kind of triggered a signal, or technically uh, a nearby mage named Alfred had noticed this and confronted Will to kind of, this is his name, his name in this world as well, uh, confront Will on being his apprentice. And so Alfred now trains Will up to use magic and then skip forward, kind of goes off to being uh, to an adventure guild because he wants to get away from his family because if they find out he's a mage... They'll think that he's going to try to usurp his brothers. So to avoid that, he goes off to join the, the um, Adventurers Guild and train to be an adventurer. He doesn't want to f- fight the succession war. Right. And there's just too much drama there. It's a lot of drama there. <laughs> uh, gets a party, kills a dragon, gets the attention of a king, and stuff. Yeah, I guess, it's, I guess quite a bit happens. So I guess I'll leave it at that. Uh, but your thoughts? <laughs> This show um, was actually quite a surprise. It, it was, uh, um, at least for me anyway, it was 
very much became a um, quite a fun little romp. I, it, it started out a little bit slow. It, it, it did have a really rough time getting going. Um, but eventually, once it does catch its traction and it actually starts starts moving along, um, th- there was just quite a lot of fun little uh, uh, things in here that just kind of uh, you had the the goofy. Uh, yes, he was overpowered, but it never really felt like he was just so overpowered that it, it just was. Yeah, quite convenient that he was overpowered, but he wasn't. It wasn't so much that it was uh, just godlike. He he just would constantly be uh, – he, he, he'd, he'd have some kind of a downplay. Like he'll be exhausted after he does his super overpowered uh, abilities. So it was – it always felt kind of balanced. Hey, yes, he was overpowered, but he wasn't that overpowered. So yeah. I would strongly disagree with that. There's never point, any point in there that it feels like he's going to lose – um, and I, I think that's the problem that the show really has is it, it doesn't do the overpowered character very well, in my opinion. It just kind of feels like he's just shooting things and they die and he shoots things and he dies and everybody or showers boatloads of money onto him. And he's kind of throwing his hands up going, man, I have too much money and, and all these girls are around me. I don't I, I, I think in the early segments of the show, I kind of mentioned the fact that I don't really think that it has a. I was hoping that it would find a focus of something that it wants to do, something that will set it aside from the rest as a different isekai. And I don't think it really ever had that. I think the only thing that it really had going for it was the claim to the, to nobility and uh, the land, uh, the kind of competition for land. That was about the only thing in there, and that was a very small, minor snippet for everything else that was just basically do this make lots of money, spend money, being surrounded by people, everybody wants him. That all that kind of stuff was just kind of mixed in there that really did, I guess I didn't really add much to the grander scale of Isek guys out there and I think that was my biggest issue. Not that I was falling asleep watching this show, it just never really did anything to pique my interest all the way through it and I was really hoping it would it, it kind of kept that carrot stick out there of here's the noble thing and the territorial thing and we might do something interesting with it. It never really technically did anything to shock me. It was very kind of by the books and by the play. So I don't know. It was, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with just not, I, again, I can also excuse the idea of not doing something different as a guy. It's just, it was a very boring main, main character. Uh, Wendelin was just a very blah character. Yeah, like I said, he he gave up on the aspect that he was Isekai within five minutes and just kind of keeps going by, just going with the flow. Every every scene change, he's just going with the flow with every single scene. I never really had anything going for him as a character. I mean, the, probably the only thing that really kind of humanized him as a character was him breaking down in front of a certain apprentice's, uh, a certain person's apprentice, and then like a later point in where he was kind of, I guess, testing the waters for somebody that he was almost being forced to marry. That was about the only two points where I really felt like him as he was being a human character that I can actually get something out of. Um, the rest of it was just very, very blah. So not that it was a terrible show, just didn't really do anything that was stand out. And that was the unfortunate thing. So um, if you're looking for a show that's kind of a fantasy setting that has like a no... Um, 
no excuses and no apologies harem in it is definitely one there. They had this whole scene with him and his bride to be, and he's kind of like for some reason just blurts out, "Are you? Are you, the other people have concubines? Apparently, are you okay with multiple concubines?" And she kind of looks over at this whole huge harem behind him and goes, "Yeah, that's fine." <laughs> it's like, why the hell even ask that? <laughs> that felt very pushed in there. Um, yeah, very, very, very blah show. Check it out if it's interesting to you, though. Um, we never seem to stray away from me, set guys, though, so. That's the eighth son. Are you kidding me? Moving on. My next life as a villainous. All routes lead to doom. Or a tome game no Hametsu Flagu Shika Nai Akuyaku Rejo ni Tensei Shite 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 Shimata. And this one is streaming on Crunchyroll, running for 12 episodes. They already have a second season confirmed for it. Uh, the studio is Silverlink. The source is a light novel. The genres are comedy, drama, fantasy, romance, and school. This one follows uh, another <laughs> girl that, well, this one technically follows Katarina Kleiss, who is the daughter of a noble family. And she, at some point when she's very young, she falls and bumps her head and recalls her past life, which was a girl who was in modern times who played Atome games. And then she comes to realize the setting that she's in, the person that she is, is Katarina Kleiss, who is from a game called Fortune Lover, who is the main antagonist. And the protagonist is actually Maria. And Maria, at this school that she will eventually go to when she gets older... Uh, every route in this Atomege that this Mario girl is in uh, leads to Catalina either being, you know, exiled, killed, murdered. <laughs> Nothing goes well with her, the ending her for her. best case scenario is getting exiled. Exiled. <laughs> so she purposely goes off and trains to raise a guard in, in case she does get exiled. So yeah, that, that's kind of the idea is that now that she is Catalina in this what seems like the world of fortune lover. She is doing everything that she can in order to win over everybody that will eventually possibly turn against her and also, you know, avoid flags and do everything she can to prepare for the time. I mean, she wants to train magic so that she can, well, she doesn't, she knows that she's bad at magic. So she has to train in swordsmanship so that when, if she, in case, in case she has to face uh, one of the, the princes who she's kind of wed to, uh, she can fight back without magic because they're going to have a sword fight. Uh, again, she might be exiled, so she starts raising gardens, even though she's a noble and they're not supposed to be doing that. She wants to learn that, so in case she gets exiled, she can at least feed herself. Um, but yeah, it's just basically her preparation, avoiding flags, and eventually going to the school where the fortune lover is actually set in to see if she will run into those flags and avoid them. So, thoughts? <laughs> I've... I, 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 first off, I love this show. I really, really love this show. I absolutely, from the get go, that I've had so much fun watching this show. It has just been a blast. The downside, if there is any, is that the quote unquote Atome game is such a background thing in this show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like 
like Andrew was pointing out with the last show, it's like what 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 was even the point in having the Atome game thing in here? Yes, it gives her motivation. Yes, <laughs> we, need, it gives, we need to do a podcast where all we do is talk about shows that didn't need to be a set guy. <laughs> that was a set guy. Grimgar, Fantasy, and Ash, The Eighth Son, uh, My Life as a Villainous. I mean, the, there is there is this this argument to be made that the whole point of this show is that every possible solu- uh, situation she ends up in a bad bad way. Therefore, she has to do these things to kind of make it to where her uh, her situation is for the best. But that is such a background thing and, and i don't know how to describe it outside of what i just said i mean when you watch i which i highly suggest watching the show it's so much fun i really really loved it um it, but and and then maybe you'll understand what we're talking about because it's really really hard to kind of uh quantify um but but yes i i love the 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 concept of her her winning each one of these characters over and then the ultimate kind of ending where kind of the situation reversed on her. So I really, really love it. Um, can't suggest it enough. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I I had the same thought really early on with the show, and I I, I know I, I mentioned in the first impression was this idea of, like, it's like it opens up with this, this concept, and I was really thinking early on with the previews that this is going to be a show where it's constantly, you know, somebody comes up and says something, and she goes, oh, crap, that was the dialogue that if, if I responded this way, then... It was a game over for me, and so I have to avoid doing that. Like you know, if her flag breaks, that kind of that kind of show, and it's it it does. I guess there's technically a purpose for it to be again her knowing that it's based off of an Tome game because it really does allow her to have a reason for being uh, kind of nice to every single one of these people. But it's even with that aspect, it's like within you know five or six episodes. She just seems like a genuinely very sweet person. Like yeah. it, it's one of those shows when you watch it, you just love the protagonist because they're just. Even though it seemed like there was a uh, a selfish reason for her going out there and seeking to help people and and being nice to people and kind of pampering everybody that could possibly kill her in the future, it quickly kind of shifts away from that because I think it. It's almost like the writer was trying to get away from that for the sole sake that you genuinely think that she genuinely likes these people and wants to be kind to them and be friends with them because which also kind of makes her great because half the time when they're just like absolutely head over heels in love with her she has no clue (laughs) (laughs) it's like is it an atome game player in the world of an atome game has every single character in love with her but she has absolutely no clue (laughs) um she's very ditzy like that and it and that's the charm of this character, and I think that's really the thing that just – that is the selling point of the show, is Catalina is just a very lovable main character. She's ditzy. Uh, she's very kind-hearted. She's just pure nature. Uh, everybody loves her, and she loves everybody, and it really kind of oozes a sense of kind of uh, like love out of that, that show, which is technically very awesome right now to kind of watch – but yeah, I, I do agree that technically the whole aspect of it being based off an Atome game, the title itself, and it's not even so much of it being a problem of it being a, based off an Atome game, it's just the the title itself being all routes lead to Doom. This idea that she is avoiding Doom flags, 
that don't necessarily have any kind of it, it was just it's just the primary initial goal and then it gets left behind and then at some point eight episodes into it you're like why did you even call it this it's a very weird title for the show anymore <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it's still a very love, very lovable show. Very much enjoy it. Uh, the goofiness of the characters. It's not like a laugh out loud show, but it's just got a lot of smiles in there, a lot of chuckles here and there, um, and just a cast that you really do enjoy watching. Seeing her, you know, deciding that she wants to, you know, get a new fake snake that she found just to prepare for the day that she'd have to fight Gyoro. <laughs> uh, the kind of more goofy, but kind of stuck-up attitude of Alan, uh, the the mysteriousness of Nicole, which we kind of laughed out later on when there was, like, this whole segment of going through each of the characters, and then it goes to Nicole, and it's like, it should literally just him being going, hmm, <laughs> because he's so, he's such a quiet character. Um, I even love, like, moments where it had, like, his uh, her mom and her kind of responding to how Catalina has changed, because obviously, since the point that she hit her head and gained her memories, she's been a different person at that point. And the maid and how the maids episode was just fantastic. Um, really good episodes, and I really did enjoy it. I really honestly don't know what they're doing with the second season. I, that's that's what I was gonna say. Is I he, the second season the, literally needs to change the title. <laughs> the 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 downside is is when it comes down to the second season. Yes, I'm super excited about it because I absolutely love the way that they've written these characters. But the second season is literally outside of whatever they're going to do for the Atome game, unless they do some kind of a second Atome game, which that would be really silly. That was, so. one, of, yeah, was, that was one of my theories. It's like suddenly out of nowhere, it just kind of jumps to a different Atome game or something like that. I Well, I was thinking like uh, Fortune Lover 2 type thing, but they'd have to. That, kind yeah, of, I, was, I was thinking like maybe an expansion or something like that. Like, you know, Clannad, Clannad after story. Yeah, they, they would have to do some kind of a. Um, maybe another character that would be able to explain that to Katharina, Hey, these, these, this is what's going to happen. They're going to have to do some kind of a, a breaking of the rules that they've already in place in the, the world. So there was that other secret character, <laughs> that other, other secret character that was never in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, my next life as a villainous, all Ross Lee to do. Check that out. If that sounds interesting to you. They did pretty good with the secret character. I was impressed with what they did. Sing yesterday for me. This one streamed on Crunchyroll. Ran for 12 episodes. Uh, the Japanese title is Yesterday Wo Utate. The studio is Dogokobo. The sources of manga. The genres are slice of life drama, romance, and seinen. And this one follows a guy named Rikuo. And Rikuo is working at a convenience store. He, right after graduating college, didn't really kind of have any kind of ambitions and he just kind of is almost seems like he's stuck in place at the time. Doesn't really have any desires to go out and find a real job. So he just works at a convenience store. At some point, he is reunited with his college crush, uh, Shinako, who is uh, now working at a school nearby, and kind of is kind of respurring his desire to be with Shinako and kind of confess his love to him, her, if he could possibly do that. <laughs> And there's also Haru, who is a girl who is a dropout from school and randomly bumps into Rikuo and constantly is hanging around at the convenience store trying to uh, get moments to be with him. Seems like she really early on, you realize that she has a huge crush for Rikuo. Um, we kind of had an, a, 
a brief moment of exchange um, back when she was younger, and she has been kind of in love with him ever since then. So yeah, love triangle stuff happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that kind of progresses. Riguo trying to, you know, express himself to Shinako. Shinako and her past and why she kind of is a little distant on the idea of doing relationships. And a boy named Ruo, who is kind of a little brother to Shinako, not really, <laughs> who has interest in Shinako as well. So, And I, then the triangle becomes a square. Yeah, I, I think we at some point, it's like you have Rikuo, and he has a girl that he went out with in high school who shows up out of nowhere. He has the girl from college that he had a crush on. The girl from college he had a crush on has a quote-unquote little brother who is the brother of his last boyfriend, or her, her last boyfriend, who died. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then Haru shows up. <laughs> and Haru has this other guy who is a, was he, a guitarist or something like that, a musician, and he's in love with Haru and wants Haru to run off with him, and it's like... At some point, the, we I had like the, I thought the guitarist thing. was at, was after the bartender lady, the bartender lady. Yeah, the gal who was running the the. Oh, that's a different person. So, your thoughts on seeing yesterday for me? I I I almost don't want to do anything on this one. I think it looks great, but yeah, it's it. This was a really really, and I think that the the title of one of the last episodes absolutely hit it. To a T, the long way around. And that is literally to a T what this show is about. And it is very frustrating knowing that this was originally 18 episodes and they cut it down to 12 episodes probably because of COVID. It is so frustrating. I I really, really feel like I I don't know. It, it, I'm 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 still mixed on this show. I I love Haru. I had a lot of fun with uh with with their interactions. I like Shinako. I I I think that they they didn't they didn't fix anything. Nothing really really feels like anything was really dealt with. Um I, I I did like the fact that at the very beginning it it becomes very obvious at some point um, one of the characters I think it was Shinako was m- mentioning um, how she was moving forward and it, it I I happened to notice at some point and I pointed this out to Andrew it's it's funny because the 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 character who is literally getting kind of the short end of the stick is really the person who's been pushing this entire cast forward. And I really like that it is, is the, the, it, it feels like there was some really solid writing in here. It just never got to the, got to it. It it's, it's fruition. And it's very frustrating. I like how you said, you're not going to say anything and then you spoil half the show and just support everything. <laughs> Well, no, I, you'll probably cut half. I don't, of it anyway. Yeah, I don't really know how I'm going to handle all that. Um, <laughs> no, I. I, this I don't show know. Is is very yeah? It's very difficult to talk about this show, and more so on the idea that I. I appreciate certain elements of it, but at the same time, there's other elements that fill. I, we don't know if it was supposed to be 18 episodes. I, I know initially it was listed as 18 episodes. I know they had six shorts that were posted. At the end of each episode, that or or every so episode, um, I don't know if they were including those six with the twelve. It 
definitely feels like episode 12 things just suddenly out of nowhere er, we're doing this instead and it's like if that did i felt that didn't feel like it made any sense <laughs> the last episode doesn't feel like it makes any sense I mean, I understand if if they would have, and maybe it's a lost in translation thing. Maybe if they were hitting certain key emotions in that point, it could make sense to me. I told Chris at some point. I feel like I feel like something that they could have knocked this out of the park with was just really hitting on this element of it hits on selfishness, uh, you know, un, un, unapologetic selfishness in a way that feels really good. But at the same time, I almost feel like it would have knocked it out of the park if they would have just really nailed in the idea of just be wanting to be wanted. And I, I feel like that is literally the theme of the show is the, the feeling of wanting to be wanted. And I think that is a really cool idea to do a story on. It's not so much this idea of, you know, doki doki, everybody fall in love, romantic and, and you know, running off into the, the distance. Um uh, but more so in the idea of just these very simple emotions that drive a person to make a decision. Um, it, it is a show that feels very realistically slow. And I do appreciate that if it's got a good story to tell. Unfortunately, with this show, it feels like half of it is it spinning its wheels. <laughs> like it, it is constantly hitting on the same story beats over and over again, and the characters aren't moving anywhere. And again, that feels very realistically paced, like the real world. Things don't just flow really quickly. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's actually doing something at some points. I mean, I, I would probably knock out half the episodes and have the same exact story out of it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very... <laughs> very troubled by the show because I, I I think it looks beautiful. I agree with Chris. I think it's a beautiful show. I love the character designs. I love a lot of the character beat points. I love Rikuo finally kind of getting that feeling of I need to move. I need to start doing something with myself. Uh, Shinako's backstory is fantastic. I actually really did love Shinako in the end. I, I really didn't think I would like her because Haru is that bubbly girl that, you know, is very hard not to like. And Shinako was this character that just was very stuck in one place and having, you know, these troubling feelings within herself that she couldn't get over. Yes, I can make the argument that that's so long ago she should have been over this by now, but some people don't get over certain things, especially females, uh, the females that I know anyways, that have gone through similar things. They technically never get over it. And I think that's just a nature of certain people and how they deal with loss Nobody deals with loss the same. So you going, I've lost somebody and I got over it really quickly. Other people don't deal with that loss the same way, especially when it's in certain lost in certain ways. So I, 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 I think I know that Shinako could be a character that would deal with this. Uh, granted, it's odd that Rikuo wasn't aware of this happening <laughs> and he spent so long with her, but that is that whole element of the moment that he kind of pursues her it's technically has to be brought up at that point because it's the reason why she doesn't want to uh you know get in a relationship so yeah it's a it's a it's a show that i i did i did enjoy the show from beginning to end i was kind of agitated by the ending it felt very um sakura if people know 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying Sakura Saad for those that have listened to us long enough to know what I'm meaning when I say Sakura Saad, because I think I explained it at some point. It's the whole bait and switch thing. And I hate the bait and switch thing where you, you focus on one thing and then you just throw it out the, throw it out the window at the very end. I absolutely hate that. It, I've heard mentioned that they technically uh, skipped a lot from the manga so I really do have a huge desire to go check out the manga to see what 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 got us from basically that first point of that one episode to the end and somehow came to that conclusion because it just doesn't really feel at least how they portrayed it like it was a logical route for the story to go in. Again, like I said, if it's if it portrayed it a certain way, I would understand, but it didn't really with the, sh- the actual show. So, well, honestly, they didn't sell a character, and yeah. that's that's the biggest frustration. Even though I, I we we like all the characters, it's just the that that particular character didn't get sold in any way, shape, or form. And that's the frustrating thing with a show like this is that it, it it's technically a slice of life story drama that is technically yes technically its focus is on the love triangle aspect that is that is a huge part of the drama of the show is a possible love triangle but it technically shifted very quickly to a strong focus on uh basically getting over loss and moving forward rikuo and shinako's story was very heavily pushing on just the aspect of moving forward and it sucks that yeah, I'll I'll admit my mind gets stuck into the who's going to win thing, but that is technically not the majority of the story. The majority of the story is, I guess, technically the majority ninety. It feels like eighty, maybe nine, maybe eighty percent, maybe maybe seventy five, seventy five to eighty percent of the show is Shinako. If you think about it, majority of it is Shinako. It's either Shinako with Ruo, uh, Ruo uh, it's Shinako with Ruk- uh, Rikuo. It is her getting over her past and moving forward and and these two people that want her to move forward for technically their own personal desires. And it's a good story. It just it just sucks that we get too caught up on the idea that it's a love triangle and who needs to win <laughs> in the end. Um so yeah, I I guess my my final conclusion is I loved 11 episodes of the show. Loved 11 episodes of the show to death. The 12th episode felt like it got rushed to end. And not that that ruins the rest of the show, but it does technically put a stink on it, similar to how another show did. <laughs> Soccer show. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's my final ending. A very good looking show. Loved it's hitting on the themes of moving forward, uh, with Rikuo, Shinako, um, loved Haru to death, even though I think that she got kind of brushed off the side of, at some point, she just disappears. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really solid show. Really did enjoy it. Just yet, yeah, it kind of sucks to get stuck in the, the love triangle aspect of it, which is technically not the whole show. Do you agree that we get too caught up in the the love triangle aspect of it? I mean, it it it, it technically is a show that really feeds off of that because you really feel bad sometimes. Like this is a, the, <laughs> there was probably like two, maybe three points in the show where 
Yeah, technically a majority of the show is that idea of like, this character really loves this character, but this character does not have interest in this character. But there's like these certain points where it just like, that was, oh, not that he, that person was mean for doing that, but that, that because you're not clear enough, this person's really hurt. <laughs> And I just felt really bad. Yeah, for there that. was there was there was a few times where there was there was characters that were getting kind of brutally hurt, and it's like, and and I and I when I say brutal, I meant emotionally brutal. It 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 is a really really some of the some of the things that are going on. It's it's really rough, and it's just a matter of like Andrew was saying. There's no clear communication, and it's really, really rough. Well, it sucks because there's also those points where there's clear communication, but somebody just doesn't want to let go. Yeah, there are some people and, who don't want to let go. And because they won't let go, the people that they won't let go have to hurt because they're hurting them <laughs> because they can't let go. Like, B won't let A go, and A's trying to move on, even though A let B know. And then when A sees B again, it's like, you knew. <laughs> Why are you still here? Don't cry. It's not my fault. <laughs> uh, and it's like, but my point is, is that it's hard not to see the show as a love triangle, love square hexagonal. I think at some point it was an octagonal thing, majiggy. Um, it's hard not to see it as that because it does have so many of those points where the characters are just either hurt by somebody not being clear enough or being hurt by somebody because they won't let go and they, they brought it on themselves kind of thing. So, and the fact that the show, you know, really did hit me with emotions in those certain points is a, you know, a contribute. It's a, it's a tribute to how well they wrote the characters. I did love all these characters. I even minus real, real, I, I think real should need, just need to move on. <laughs> no, nobody likes you. Nobody likes you little brother. Go away. Um, yeah. Again, I'm going to totally check out the manga because I want to see how we got that. What's missing in there? <laughs> what is missing in there for seeing yesterday to me? So, or for me. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Ascendance of a Bookworm, season two. Or Honzuki no Kikakujo Shisho ni Naru Tame de ni wa Shudan wo Irandere Rare Masen. Season 2. <laughs> Seasonal Zoo. Uh, streaming on Crunchyroll. We ran it for 12 episodes by Studio Ajia Do. The source is a light novel, and the genres are fantasy and slice of life. And for those that are not aware of our first season review, it essentially follows a girl named Mine. She was a bookworm at some point that was killed by books. <laughs> a bunch of books fell on her. And she woke up in the body of a girl named Mine. And Mine is in a kind of a fantasy world. Um, her family that she is a part of is a uh, very poor family in the commoner side of this kingdom. Uh, there are nobles, but they are on the pretty much on the other side of this entire area. And um, she, the the body that she ended up coming into, which is mine, is the body of this very young girl that is a part of this family who is incredibly ill and very weak and gets sick very easily. And the first season basically follows her as she's you know trying to 
you know, figure things out, um, dealing with the fact that she keeps getting sick, um, trying to work around her illness and her strong desire since she was a bookworm in her previous life in the modern setting, her real strong desire to get a book, <laughs> find a book, find any books because she's in the commoner side. There's like, she, I think she only found one book in the entire commoner side and it was at a, it was a, a shopkeeper had it and it was in a case because only nobles and rich people had these books. And so she desires to either one day find a library or to just build her own book. So she uh, uses the knowledge that she has from modern times to kind of sell information to certain Veno, uh, uh, who is this guy that runs a guild, a crafting guild, and get the resources she needs to eventually build her own books. She has a lot of trial and error in that whole process. Um, but she has the help of a game, a boy named Lutsu, who is basically a childhood friend of the previous mine. And, um, at the very end of the first season, we kind of went into this idea of her, uh, finding a way to get rid of her mana to help her from being sick by using an item in the church. And so she was allowed to be a part of the church, wear a blue roll, which is only for nobles. And so the question mark became, season two, where are we going from here? So season two is a strong focus on the church itself. Her life as now being a blue robe, um, the hatred she gets from other commoners who know that she's actually a commoner, and her finally having books. <laughs> finally having books, but then getting distracted from books because she notices the orphanage is not that good and actually pretty uh, terrible and inhumane. So she's focused on helping the the orphans. Um, gets a little bit later into a little insight into the noble side, which was kind of a surprise. And um, yeah. What's your thoughts on uh, A Sentence of a Bookworm? I really do like the ability for this. The, the writer of this story is really good at not necessarily life events, but I'm going to call them life events because sometimes you just kind of feel like when you're moving along in life, something is always the, the, a, a consequence of the, the decision before. And this, uh, mine does that the, 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 the writer of the story is really good at kind of playing off of this. Everything seems to be a consequence of the thing before it. Uh, yes, she has a goal in mind, something that she wants to do in the future. And yet her life constantly is a, 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 a domino after domino of things that are happening in her life. And she's constantly reacting and yet still steering it towards her ultimate goal. And I think that that's really well written into this story. I truly, from the, from the get go of the first season, this season has been no different. I've absolutely loved the way each, each thing that has come into this story and how it's been well thought out and really well told um, to like Andrew was mentioning the noble district and every, everything that's happened over there. Um, the consequences of her being a commoner at, uh, in noble clothing or from the commoners who are supposed to be serving her as her retainers and how they, they treat her. It's been an absolute treat to watch this show and i really truly love it yeah it's like it felt really bad the the, the first moment she realized that gil was going an entire night without food it's like oh yeah you kind of neglected him you're kind of trash right now 
<laughs> need to fix that. No, I, 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 it's, it's like I, on one hand, I, I have loved a sentence of a bookworm from episode one all the way until now. What we at twenty uh, seven? Because uh, it was it was twelve episodes, then three three episodes in between the two seasons, so two twelves and then a th- three. So it's about twenty seven episodes. I, I've I've loved this show from beginning to end. Every episode is an absolute writing treat. I have enjoyed every moment with all these characters, every event that happens. Then over on this other side, it's like, I don't know if I like this whole noble church thing because it's like, it's doing great things. But at the same time, we were just fine over here. Why don't we just go back to all this stuff? The building, the building, the, the, you know, the, the studio and, and making books over here. Why are we, why are we dealing with nobles and churches? Why do we have to do all this stuff? Yeah, you're doing a fantastic job with that stuff, but I, I don't, you can still do it. At, you don't do this stuff over here. So it's like this this internal struggle of like, I don't know if I'm going to like you doing that. Okay, you're doing good stuff here. I like this. This is good. So it's almost like write two books or something. <laughs> write a book about this and a book about this because they're both going to be fantastic. But I kind of want you to keep doing this over here. So it's like my inner struggle of the direction I want the story to keep at. But I know the writer wants to do all this other stuff that I think is very fascinating. And I know it's going to be a huge payoff and it's always oh, a, a huge payoff in the end. So, cause I, I think like, uh, Ferdinand has been a fantastic character. I love Ferdinand cause he's like the, he's the perfect, like, I guess, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, foil. Yeah. Foil for everything that mine is like, mine is always like loud and I want to do this. And he's always like, be quiet. Why would you want to do that? That makes no sense. <laughs> like, like the moment that she decides well, she wants to take on the orphanage, then, she's like, then, "Well, why do you want to take the orphanage?" She's like, "Because uh, he's like, don't you want to read books?" And he's like, "She's like, yeah, but I can't read books because I'm too distracted by that." And he's like, "That makes no sense." <laughs> but sure, and then, be a director. And then, and then, and then to top it off, you have Benno on the other side, which is constantly oh, yeah. kind of yelling at her about how be, how she's letting money go out the door or something. Like I mean, that. I can't really prescribe it because they're technically older than her, but it's like you totally have like the best harem. Like <laughs> Lutz is like pure boy, always at your side. I love Lutz, and that, I get that's another thing. Like Lutz, and that's this is my struggle with the church thing is that. I loved Lutz and mine always being together. That was like, I, I adored them as a couple in the first season. Uh, Frida, like, I miss Frida. I loved her really do miss and Frida. mine and her constantly trying to buy things from mine. And then freaking <laughs> Benno showing up and going, don't sell it to her, sell it to me. Like, there's all these great characters that it's almost like it's leaving them behind. And that's my struggles. Like, I, I miss these characters and I understand that you want to do this over here, but I miss these characters. I love the doting dad. I love the too sweet, too pure sister. I, I miss Otto. <laughs> like, Otto was great, too. And I, I I like all these new characters. I loved Gil, even though he was a... Every single one of them was a total snot at, the, at first. But as she won over all these uh, servants, they eventually, you know, have their own charm to them, their own story to them that I do really appreciate. But it's like... But I I missed this I missed this thing that I adored with the first season so it's it's a I, huge struggle for me. It, it, it's so funny because I don't know who I liked more Rosina or Del- Delia who were absolute trash at the beginning <laughs> and then they when 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 they finally got one over it was just absolutely just too much I loved it. 
Rosina, I don't... Rosina was like... <laughs> she was trash! She was absolute <laughs> trash! And she like, got one over out. and she was awesome. I was like, throw her out. <laughs> At least with Delia, it was like, you're almost Sundere. I like you. <laughs> I, 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 you're, you're technically not being Sundere, but you're you're you kind of are i'm just gonna label you as sundere even though i know you're not technically being sundere you're actually being a total spy but um yeah it, it's it's a huge struggle for me because i i love everything this writer's doing but at the same time i i keep having these nostalgic feelings of wanting other characters to come back and i know he's going in a direction i want and i and i like i said i appreciate the direction it's going i i absolutely love the other side of the the wall so to speak and that whole encounter with the uh, the huge trombre that was so cool. I, I actually really like that whole entire segment. So. Well, that was that was really neat on the aspect of finally seeing what a the consequence of not um, yeah not actually dealing with. <laughs> She's the like, trombe. wait, that turns into that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like because it was funny because it, it's a callback to like what episode three where they ran into a trombre and a trombe and it was like this. Yeah, the, if you run into one of those, you have to call a soldier because we have to bring the soldiers over. And you're like, and now you have Lutz. He goes over there with a freaking butcher cleaver and takes it out. This doesn't seem that scary. And they have another one happen in this whole during this whole festival. And it's like, wait, wait, these aren't really that scary. And then suddenly, you're like, oh crap, there. Yeah, that is technically yeah, that's pretty dangerous. That that was the whole discussion about getting the soldiers as soon as possible. There's like this. Yeah. But at the same time, my entire mind's going, I, I, I could just, when is mine going to have like this inner dialogue of yeah. like, <laughs> holy crap, cha-ching, <laughs> this is so much paper, so much paper, we got to get this paper now. I, I, it was like, they had this whole thing where it was kind of suggesting this communication that she could do with Lutz. And I'm thinking like, use that and call him over like, hello, Lutz, you there? Yeah, get your boys over, uh, I think it's, like, uh, southeast of the town. Just bring a whole bunch of baskets down here. Um, yeah. It's cool stuff, though. I, I, they kind of hint, they kind of pressed a little bit into, uh, the levels of nobility and basing it on, uh, the power itself, which was really cool as well. Um, a lot of really kind of gut-wrenching moments there for a little bit, which I did like. But yeah, um... It's just a really good show, and you know, kind of stealing from several people on my Twitter, I it it, it definitely is one of those ones that pushes me to want to get into the light novel because I don't know if they'll do more. It it does seem like well, just based off the ones that they actually have translated so far, this seems like it's about the point of of what we've had translated so far. This so is true. I don't know if there's really too much more they have actually. If they have enough for even doing this season, or if they even would do it, it'll be season, five but... years before we see another season. <laughs> I don't know. It seems so different for each light novel author. Like some of them seem to like chuck out light novels like crazy, volumes like crazy. Like Grimgar, it just seems like that guy's going quick. And then you go to something like yeah, this. It just doesn't seem like it's moving very fast. So it doesn't make me want to get in the light novel if they don't do anything else, though, because it's that's a it's a story that I don't want to see end um, like this. I want to see more of it. I just, I crave more of it. So it was a gem back when we first discovered it with season one. It's been a gem with its three episode little middle series. And then it's been a gem for the second season as well. So a sentence of bookworm season two must watch. It's the Otaku spirit stamp of approval. 
go watch this. Yeah. Moving on. Because you need to stop gushing. Tower of God. <laughs> Kame no Tao. This one streamed on Crunchyroll ran for 13 episodes. Done by Studio Telecom Animation Film. It was based off of a Korean web manga or a manhwa. These genres are action, adventure, drama, fantasy, and mystery. The music was done by Kevin Pinkin. Of course, he had uh, Made an Abyss, Norn 9, Shield Hero, and Under the Dog. Character designers by Kudo Masashi, Masashi who did Bleach and Mayu, 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 The Lost Village, I think it is. <laughs> the Lost Village. Um, and yeah, it's... Um, Mayu is... is uh, was, that's... Mayu? The, yeah, my that show that I really like. That's oh uh, yeah, the, the the Demon Lord and yeah, Yusha Hero. and Yusha and mm-hmm. Mao. Yeah, the show about what they are is their names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I randomly remembered your review where you were yelling about the fact that people were making fun of the fact that they ever <laughs> named what they were. You hated that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Tower of God. Uh, this is one of the Crunchyroll originals. They were kind of hyping up for everybody. So kind of felt a little, little obligated. Probably need to f- need to watch this show all the way through, no matter what. Um, I don't want to do the synopsis because I don't know what the hell's going on. Dude, I, I, dude, I, dude was in a cave. Chick randomly <laughs> appears. She disappears after making him all happy. She disappears, and then he op- forces the door open, there, and then there, tower. There's a Let's let's not, let's nutshell this. There's 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 technically this tower, and this tower, if you climb it, you get your wish granted, whether it's wealth or or position, whatever power. Um, apparently, some king did it at some point. I don't even know if he did at the top. I I, don't, I really don't know. I I seen some kind of information that makes me think otherwise. I don't know. There's a king, but the king Is apparently the king? went really high. I thought the king was God. The king went high up in this tower, so he's he's. He's ruling over this kingdom of this tower. I don't know. Because um, the king is the one who's making the princesses, right? Yeah, the king does have these princesses that you kind of find out about <laughs> later, um, which is actually probably one of the more interesting parts of the show itself. Um, but yeah, it's a tower. Everybody wants to climb it. There's apparently a trial that you have to go through before you can start climbing the tower. Yeah, I'm tower. getting the impression we haven't even touched the tower yeah, yet. I, I don't think they've actually <laughs> gone to the tower. I mean, literally... One of the characters is talking about how they need to do something in order to get to the tower in the later episodes. I know they haven't got the tower yet. So they're in this, uh, yeah, this, this, the tower selects people, which are called regulars, to come to the tower. But then they have to go through this trial first before they can go up the tower. That's what I'm getting. Um, so yeah, that hell, who was this girl that knew, I'm calling Yoru, even though the, Translation is bomb. I, I'd never heard bomb, so I'm going to say Yaru. Yaru is this boy who was, yeah, in a cave. I don't even know if he was in a cave near the tower or if there's a planet altogether that these people are living in. It never shows anything outside of, like, well, that cave and the trial area to know if there's a plant to be in. Well, there, there's, but he's there's in a even, cave. Even more than that, it seems like a lot of these people are from totally different planets. Yeah. Like, totally different dimensions well, or something Well, they all seem like to that. know that each other exists, so it doesn't they seem do. like they don't, they're not from the same planet. And it's a very interesting, like, when they got the whole, the, when they were doing the trial where they had, like, the, the orcs that were controlling the 
the the big huge slug things that were sucking out the the dolphins from the water under underground and the the bulls and how the dolphins gathered fish. It's a cool world when they really kind of dive into things outside of the tower. So I do appreciate that element of it. It's just hard. It's hard it, without having like this groundwork of like here's where we at before we went into this this building. It's hard to tell what rules this universe has to really get a grasp of what's going on. I think that's my issue. But anyways, yeah, Yaru is in this cave. This girl suddenly randomly, this Rachel girl or Lahel, she randomly shows up, and he doesn't know anything about himself or where he, where he's at or anything. So she's kind of becomes this thing that he is, like this ray of light for him, and so he really does like Rahel. But Rahel, like she wants to go to this tower, and she's selected. So the tower selects her. Door opens. She gets sucked in, and somehow, through sheer will, I guess. Yoru arrives there as well. And he is then deemed as an irregular because he wasn't selected by the tower. So then it kind of turns into him chasing after Rachel. I'm going to tell Rachel because I, I, I can't, I don't pronounce Rahel very well. Chasing Rachel through the tower and Rachel going through the tower, meeting people along the way, becoming friends, double crossing each other through these trials they have to go through. To eventually actually climb the tower. Which, again, I don't think they've gotten to the tower yet. <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Do you want to go first? I can try. Just try? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm moderately satisfied with this show. I, I, I like it. I think it, it, it had some really good It didn't fun. make you totally... Like, I thought by the, because of that like, last episode, you would be fuming about this show. He literally, he looks so mad. <laughs> he looks so mad at the end of this episode of the show. Uh, no, it wasn't the last episode. It was like the the 12th episode that really did kind of happen. He looked really mad. I don't even remember he what was mad. Really I, I don't remember what was mad. I, I, I probably blocked it out. I'm sure there was some important reason why I blocked something out. So please don't remind me whatever happened. <laughs> he like yells out um, like, like... Yeah, okay, yeah, we know you're evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's because of her inner dialogue. It was so freaking annoying. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, it's funny because I was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, okay, here we go. You're so evil. And, it, and it's something that I do with so many characters. This is finally another one that actually gets him so mad he yells it out loud. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's been the entire this. episode talking about how horrible of a person this character <laughs> is. And I'm like, all right, blah, 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 you're evil. Now move on. <laughs> and we're trying to figure out why another character looks like he's in a coma after getting pushed. <laughs> <laughs> Literally goes into a coma. Okay, thank you for reminding me of that part. <laughs> Super <of> the... <laughs> push. Super coma push. <laughs> Somebody with no uh, ability. Super coma push. Anyway. Oh, so anyway, I I I'm 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 I'm, moder- I, I'm I am satisfied with the <laughs> Yeah that you've totally thrown me off. Tripping on yourself. I'm I am satisfied with the show. I do think that there was a lot of fun action-y crap in here. I I, I think that a lot of the the storylines were really soft and, and and kind of fun to goof around thinking about. 
Um, you have some, like like Andrew was talking about. We were we were talking about the the king of the. I don't even remember if it was a king or a god. I don't know. I don't really care. They're trying to get to the top this tower. Apparently, there's these girls called princesses who have done this before or not. I don't freaking know. They have to prove themselves. Um, there's rankers who have apparently gone to the top of the tower. I think. I we no. don't. It, it's it's really one of those things that is. I think I ended up finding out the rankers were again. This is this is how this is a testament to either how terrible we are at pay attention to the same show that we both don't know. See, this is the problem. Is I, I don't know if it's because I wasn't that I didn't pay attention well enough that I missed it. But now that I see that you don't know, it's like it either did a terrible job of telling it or didn't tell it at all. But it's like I had to look up to find out that the rankers just passed the trial. Not that they climbed the tower. It's just they passed the trial, which does mean that they're really, really strong, but doesn't necessarily mean they're like super OP, but they make them out like they're super OP. So, okay. I think I could be wrong. Tower of and God maybe that's and maybe that's me. why and that maybe that's why we were so confused because we were we were thinking that like the why trials would you, why were would you be, the tower yeah why would you be like <laughs> some kind of like administrator for a trial system when you've basically gotten your wish granted to you like oh well I got I got uh, ten thousand dollars that I wanted <laughs> well why didn't you ask for more crap I guess I'll go work as an administrator for the sticking <laughs> trial segment. It's it is it, it's a it's a it's a strange strange story. It, it like I said, it's it's satisfying and it's in its um it's kind of uh give you the 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 kind of carrot on the stick of wanting to know what's going on. Um, the characters are likable enough. Some of them are kind of you don't really want them around, but they just kind of stick <laughs> like around Rock. for a while. Rock um, is so annoying. Who? Rock the lizard. I actually like him. I don't care for the so Shibisu loud. guy. He's annoying as crap. I can't stand him. He grew on me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So well, figure, technically, figure, Rock. I like Rock. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's. I guess that's my issue with the character designs themselves. I don't. There's a lot of bad character designs in the show, and there's a lot of good character designs. So it's like it's a. And I understand the idea. There's so much. There's so many different races, and and it has a very diverse cla- uh, uh, cast of just way weird looking characters, and they all look different to each other. There's different races and stuff, but like, do it in a freaking blanket laying on the ground all the time. It's like what the hell, and he's standing up with a robe on. It just looks really stupid, in my opinion. Like very geeky, dorky. Um, but no, I I did not like the show at all. Early on, I, I think like because I was so confused, like I said, I didn't have any kind of it didn't feel like it was very well opened and very well told at the beginning. Uh, Yoru is a very blank character. I'm sure at some point he gets revealed as being some special person. You get some cool backstory to him, find out who he actually is. But to as find it out is that now, he's the god of the tower of the gods. <laughs> <so> yeah, <laughs> he's already climbed the tower. Um, he's a character that like the yeah, I, I totally see it being something where he was something crucial and he went to the top of the tower to erase himself totally see it happening but anyways um it's just not very it wasn't very well told and opened in my opinion i was completely lost as to what was going on i had zero care care for yoru i still don't i think yoru through this 13 episodes is a completely blank character that i could care less about um he's completely carried by everybody else he feels like an insert character and i 
didn't really care much for any of the side characters except for the sisters. I think the whole sister stories was really cool. I actually, that was the princesses, actually. The, I mean, they're, they're technically sisters, but not really sisters. They're princesses. Uh, I really like the princesses. I the, I thought their whole thing was, or those daughters. They're called the daughters? No, they're princesses. Well, they, yeah, they, 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 they refer them as princesses, but I think they were called the daughters of the, the king or something like that. Anyways, the princesses. <laughs> I really did like their their whole thing. I like the story about it. I like the swords. All that kind of stuff was really, really cool. Um, and that really did carry the show for me for pretty much the entire second half of it. I was yeah, I really mean, not feeling it. You could probably it. call them uh, Daughters of Jeral or whatever. Yeah, the, name the Daughters of Jeral. That's what it was. Um, or whatever the name of the, the king Prince, is. I thought it was Princess of Jeral. So. I think they're the Daughters. Princess of Jahal. But yeah, I I think that was probably the thing that kind of grabbed me the most. I really did kind of think that that was one of those very rare moments of being something like, okay, this actually seems pretty cool and interesting. The trials themselves weren't really interesting to me at all. Um, kind of sad that Black March, that was a thing. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a sword. <laughs> it was there for like five seconds at the beginning of the show. Never dealt with it again through the rest of the show. But it is kind of a struggle, the aspect of, like, you want to kind of know more about this world, but the writer is very slow at kind of revealing it. And at some points, not very good at revealing things or really kind of giving you a grasp of what is going on to know where to start from. And that's really my struggle with it. It had some really good action scenes, some some good animation points in the entire thing. Um, i still not a huge fan of the style of it, but I did get used to it over time. I, I know I gave a lot of criticisms to the style itself, the stylistic choice um, with the first impressions. But um, comedy didn't work at all for me. <laughs> but I think that's kind of a thing with Manwa's. I've never, I've never really enjoyed humor that comes out of a lot of Manwa's. I think that's just because I don't – I'm not used to Korean humor versus like Japanese humor and American humor. It took me a long time to get used to get an idea of Japanese humor. <laughs> but, um, yeah, none of, the, none of the humor really hit for me. Uh, the main character is very blah. I uh, got used to the art style, good animation points, and it it kind of grew on me. I didn't actually enjoy the later, I guess, third of the show, and but that was kind of a lot to do with the um, the princesses. I think they were, they were a solid story with them. That's kind of where I, I, I said I don't, I don't know if they have another season coming for it. Um, and if they don't, I would say avoid this, but like the plague, because well, it never really got anywhere. Do you think <laughs> it literally dropped at the end? Do you think Crunchyroll actually was investing in the show, or they just uh, got rights to it? No, they invested in it. That's why they're they might, stinking names all over it. They may try and actually push for more of it. I'd be curious. I, I, be, I mean, they're definitely going to look at like the popularity of it, and I know a lot of popularity of this. This is a apparently a very huge and popular manhwa, so um, I guess it just depends on if that popularity really translated to the uh, the show or not. So we'll have to have to wait and see. Tower of God, check that out if that sounds interesting to you, listeners. It's our next one. Listeners uh, streamed on Funimation. Ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio Mappa. The source is original. The genres are sci-fi, music, action, and mecha. The director is uh, Hiro Aki Ando, who did Ajin. The series composition was by Dai Sato, who did Eureka 7 and Wolf's Rain. 
And this one follows a boy named Echos, who is working in a small town out in the middle of nowhere, uh, basically cling, scavenging through remnants of a previous existence that was in that area. Apparently this kind of big event happened in that particular area, and they're kind of rummaging through all the scraps and materials in that area. And at some point, he finds a girl named Mew, who is lying in the rubble. Well, her name wasn't Mew. She was a kind of a, um amnesiac character that was there <laughs> that he kind of rescued. Uh, and he found, of course, this little capsule nearby her. What do they call them? Uh, what's the name of those things? Not mm-hmm. a condenser. What's the thing that he found next to her that said Mew? The resistor? Is it a resistor? That was on. I thought the it was neck. called something else. Resistor. Is it called a resi- Is it called a resistor? I thought it was yeah. called something else. Okay, a resistor. <laughs> Found a resistor that has Mew on it, and so he called her Mew or because they, she didn't have a name. They're vacuum. Vacuum. Uh, vacuum tube. Vacuum tube. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought it was. But it's a resistor either way. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she doesn't know who she is, but she does. But they do kind of note the fact that she has this plug in her. What was it in her back? Yeah, her back. Um, and these little plugs are kind of an indication that you are a, what they call player in this world. And players are people that have these little plugs that they can insert this, uh, this cable into, and it can turn an amplifier into a gigantic robot and they can fight the beings known as earless in this world. Earless are, they're like mice, shadow mice with big, huge ears that are called earless. It makes no sense, but they don't like sound <laughs> or they seem to think they don't like sound. Um, so yeah, these players will fight these earless, and they're very popular in the world. Echo is a huge player fan. He has a little booklet that's like an encyclopedia of players and knows them all by name and studies his little book all the time. And um, yeah, Mio doesn't really know who she is, um, but she is trying to find out who she is, and she feels like the best way to do that is to travel. So she kind of ropes Echo into coming with her, and they travel across the country to find out where she came from, learn more about this guy named uh, Stonefree, who is this kind of very popular player from back in the day that went missing, and um, more about the earless. So, thoughts on listeners? These Sanas. I love the way this show looks. I love the character artwork. I think that they are absolutely fantastically drawn. Everybody's very unique and 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 just. Just a just a treat in a lot of ways. Story wise, I'm very very mixed on it. I kind of like the concept of it, um, but it gets it it feels like it, because it, it it is this kind of a almost a fetch quest type story where you go f- here to go to there to go to there, or, or what's the what's the uh, treasure hunt type thing where you you're 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 always going to the next next goal to find out some kind of mystery about this thing that they're trying to find out and in some ways i really did like the the concept of the world i like the ideas that they were trying to to portray the 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 um acceptance of um uh getting past your differences when you can't actually communicate and all that stuff like that and it and it was a really good um Everything comes together with music. Yeah, everything comes together because of music. Because <laughs> everything, love conquers, conquers all after all. And, and I do really love the, the that that they did try to do those kinds of um, those kinds of things in the story. 
But unfortunately, it just really felt like it was almost an offhand story. Like they were they it, it didn't feel like there was any heart to a lot of this. It it just was missing something. And I don't I, I wish I could tell you what it was, but it didn't it just didn't have it. But other than that, it looked good. I, I I enjoyed the story for the most part. It it just like I said, it was just a it was there. Kind of in the same boat. I this is one of those shows that like the opening is like the best part of it. Like that, that opening is just kind of what I wanted the show to be, and it never really kind of gets there because it really does feel like it's a it's almost like a Every episode is almost like they're trying to go for a theme of music, but they never really, they never really pull it off. Like every every place they go to almost feels like thematic. Like they have like almost a hippie like setting place. They have the school, uh, like the punk. They have it almost like they wanted to go for themes with each of these episodes. But by the time you get just in the doorway of those episodes, it's like they didn't do anything with it. Like it, you're not going to do this. They, they, they I think were... you're going to do this, but you're not going to do this. And that's the struggle with it is I, I think it's a I agree. I love the character designs. I like the settings and everything. It's just it never really does anything with anything throughout the entire thing. There's there's a good point here and there. I was entertained the entire time. I thought the characters were fun to be with. Echo's a dork. Miu is just really fun to be around. A lot of the side characters are great. I enjoyed Nier. I liked Nier with uh, when she ran into uh, Light and Richie. I think that was a really cool episode. Um, but it would just, it never really seems like it does anything really outside of that. And the overall story never really does anything until like the very end. And it wasn't really all that great. It, 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 to, to give you more context to this, what, what is really kind of one of the cool things about this show and yet, yet at its detriment at the same time is like Andrew was mentioning the, the punk rock school or the, um, the, we literally have a purple rain world or land, which of course, you know, who is in control of that. Um, the purple, uh, King, did they call him or something like that? <laughs> I forget. Thank but God. They, they literally, um, literally each nice place, little... huh? It's metal underwear. <laughs> I guess that was metal, metal. underwear. <laughs> I think that was metal. I don't know. Um, it will, the, you know who he's, he's in reference to. And this yeah. is something that is going through each each one of these episodes. Um, I, uh, I love. You have Jimmy Stonefree, which you know who Jimmy Stonefree yeah. is. I, I mean, it, it, it's quite literally as you go through each one of these characters, you can tell who they're com- supposed to be kind of a, a nod to. And, and that's, like I said, that's its strength and also its detriment. They do nothing as far as soundtrack is, is concerned on this. Yes, there is some really, really cool music at the end of the episode or the beginning of the episode, but nothing that is kind of thematic with the the kind of area that they're at. They even have a British area. Um, so it, it, it's it's like all of this is just kind of left on the table and you, and you kind of walk away going, it should have been there, but it never was. And that's kind of where I'm going with it. It's like I... Like I said, it thematically has it there and it's ready to use it, but it never really does much with it. I, yeah, I would technically think the thing with the whole purple rain, I think they that was probably the most in your face with that kind of stuff. But everything else just really does feel like it takes a backseat very, very quickly to a very simple story. Yeah, some of the stories are just 
perfectly fine as they are. I, but never really kind of knocking it out of the park. I, I think probably the only one that was very technically emotionally engaging was like this very later one when he starts. Um, who was it? The the place with the the memories in the basement. And that was probably the most kind of like it was trying to be emotional somewhat for that whole situation. Um, yeah. And there was a whole moment where one character was really angry at another character for, yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me, Chris. You're not reminding me. I'm just reminding myself and I'm yelling at you for it. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just show up out of nowhere. Hey, how's it going? And we're like, you died. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so stupid. I'm like, Okay. Whatever, it's over anyway. I do. I threw my hands up and I'm like, "What the heck?" Andrew? I'm like, "Chris, it's over. Who cares?" It's Chris. Don't worry about it. It's over. It's the closing cast. We don't care anymore right now. It's over. Oh gosh. Yeah, I blamed it on Andrew, and Andrew is blaming me for reminding him. <laughs> oh, that was so dorky. Uh, that's just one of those things I want you people to know. In case you watch the show and you see that too, you can know that we went. WTF also. <laughs> that happened. I guess now that other person doesn't need to be angry no more, even though they kind of gave up on that real quickly. <sighs> love conquers all. Music and love conquers all. That's it's all about. Yeah, it's it's um It's a show that I really want to love. And I did technically was entertained all the way through it. Just not a show that I that met the expectations of what it could have been. It's all. one of those that I I would have kind of a hard time if if you were an art buff, yeah, by all means. Um, but I don't think that I would go out of my way for this show at all. I I hate to say it because it is one of those shows that when you see it pop up, it's it's almost eye catchy. Like I'm I'm actually kind of interested in like seeing style. what it's about. Huh? Yeah, it's a good style. That was, what was, that was what was the draw was originally. And, it, of course, it was also the fact that it was Mop on original, um, but also the fact that it just had a good style to it. Was it was it, It's funny that technically the reason uh, – it it technically didn't do what you didn't want it to do. Like our first, in our preview of it, you were like, I just hope it doesn't have the mech crap everywhere. And it, it technically kept the mecha stuff to like the – just like a very small – it was almost very Gundam-ish where it's like the last five minutes, we have to do a quick battle. And then it was like that was it. <laughs> wasn't really always the end of it, but yeah, listeners, check that out if that um, that sounds interesting to you. If you, I mean, if you like music a lot, I like good style to it. I think it's technically something to check out. It's it's got some good reference in there. And our last one for this episode is Doro Hey Doro. Uh, this one streamed on Netflix, ran for twelve episodes. Uh, originally premiered in Japan back in winter of 2020, but we finally got it here in the U.S. Due in part by Netflix holding it for as long as they do. <laughs> which is funny. Like, you have these shows like Dora He Dora, which was technically released in subtitle only prior to its dubbing. They did the same thing with the uh, Ghost in the Shell 2045. It's like, if you guys aren't going to dub this stuff, start releasing it immediately. Why are you That's waiting? <laughs> like, we know you have English subtitles in Japan and stuff. Just just release it. And, and I mean, just do it for now. I mean, let's, let's, let's test it out at this point because you can't get the stubs fast enough. You know, just, just do it. Anyways. Uh, sorry. Dodo Herodo 
This one was streaming on uh, Netflix, ran for 12 episodes. Uh, studio is MAPPA. The source is a manga. The genres are action, adventure, fantasy, comedy, and horror. The director was Yuichiro Hayashi, who did Kakegururi. And this one takes place in what they call the hole, which is this district where people kind of, uh, it's, there's a lot of crime, a lot of, you know, death is kind of a, a thing there. People kind of overlook it because it's just kind of a very kind of almost cesspoolish kind of area. Um, but the kind of the interesting thing about this area is that every now and then these uh, people they call sorcerers will transport themselves there find people in the area and test their magic on them. They, they, the sorcerers kind of see people within the area of the hole as kind of like insects that they can just play with and test their magic out on. Um, Kaimon, who's our main character, is like a dude with a lizard head. He doesn't know anything about his past. He just woke up one day and had a lizard head, and he's trying to find the sorcerer that turned his head into a lizard um, because the sorcerers, that's what they do a lot is they turn people's body parts into different animals and stuff. And to do that, he bites people, <laughs> bites people's heads, have them look down his throat to the person inside himself and tell them or tell him what they say. And it seems like every single time he bites somebody, the person inside of him tells that, speaks to the person and says, no, you're not the one. And then he spits them out and then the people says, he told me that I'm not the one. And then Kaiman will kill them. And Kaiman has a partner. Her name is Nikaido. She works at a restaurant nearby and makes gyoza for him that he really loves. And the two of them just go out and kill sorcerers and find people that have been victimized by sorcerers and take them to the hospital where they can possibly help them recover themselves. And yeah, it's kind of the opening of everything. On the other side of the whole situation with Kaimon trying to find the person that turned his head into a lizard thing and hanging out with Nikaido and killing sorcerers is the sorcerers themselves. It's kind of like the other side of the door that these sorcerers go through is this other area where is there's a ton of sorcerers and they're all practicing magic. They all have their own abilities. Each one of them are kind of specialized in specific things. Um, there's like In who is like the main one of the main bad guy guys, he can basically blow smoke out of his mouth and turn anything and and everybody into mushrooms. Um, so everybody has their own like kind of abilities. There's Neo and Noi, who is kind of a healer. She can like blow uh, smoke on somebody and it kind of restores their flesh back to normal. Uh, so everybody has their own abilities. And In, who is this big bad guy, he has two what they call cleaners, which is Shen and Noi. And he is trying to find out who Kaimon is and take down Kaimon because Kaimon is killing sorcerers. And so that kind of becomes our big focus is trying to figure out where Kaimon is, where he's at, take him out kind of thing. And um, that's kind of the premise for the most part. I, I think the, the, the <laughs> I told Chris at some point, I was very, it's very odd how this show is presented as here's a show about Kaimon biting people on the heads finding out what's inside of him and who turned him into a lizard. And he's joined by Nikaido. Nikaido's cool and she makes gyoza. And <laughs> like the show just completely flips and goes, here's the sorcerers. Let's follow the sorcerers instead. And it's like, wait, 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 do we even care about Kaimon anymore? And every now and then Kaimon shows up and it's like, you're not doing anything. Let's go back to the sorcerers. Like the sorcerers literally became 
the more interesting, fun, entertaining thing about the show. Like, they became the main characters, which I think is one of those... Usually with shows that do this, it turns out to be some of the most best shows. These shows that make you love the bad guys and the good guys. Um, unfortunately, with this one, it almost... I almost got to the point where I didn't care at all about Kaimon. I kind of cared about Nikaido. Um, but it it kind of gets into the detriment and the idea that you technically... I got to the point where I just didn't care about the main character. It, which I technically... Who's to say he is the main character, technically? Um, I wanted to see more Shin. I want to see Noi, Ebisu, uh, In. Like, these were the characters that I loved. These were the characters that I thoroughly enjoyed being around. Uh, Shin and Noi's backstory was fantastic. Um, Ebisu was an absolute dork, and unfortunately, not by her own, <laughs> not but not by her own choice. She gets really screwed up. Um, she becomes this very kind of comical, fun character to watch. Um, In was I. I'm not as huge a fan of as most people was with In. I think he was really kind of really crazy and 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 interesting. But not that I really like the character. Um, he's kind of one of those characters where I kind of, yeah, you're great. Now keep your distance kind of thing. <laughs> he's one of those kind of people where like, I like you, but you step back a little bit. <laughs> keep your distance. Uh, six feet apart. Uh, and I, I still did. I still was intrigued by wanting to know more about Kaimon, the guy inside of him. Um, all that stuff was interesting. But the entertainment and love for the show was the Sorcerer's. And this is one of those shows where I literally from episode, I would say probably episode three and onward was was in binge mode. Uh, getting past those first few episodes was a little bit difficult. Getting past the the very CGI, it's it's technically a full CGI show. Every now and then they'll cut to characters and they're in 2D, mainly because they just don't want to render them, I guess. They're a side character that's not going to be around much. They're not going to fully animate them. Getting over that animation style was difficult. They, I mean, MAPPA is one of the best ones at hiding CGI, but there's only so much you could do when you go full CGI. Um, and they do a fantastic job of it. The, the characters de definitely do look good. The backgrounds and everything look great. Uh, the world is just just lush with, with you know, curiosity. I want to see more of it. The only struggle was that I, I think I just didn't really care much about Kaimon, and I really did want to care more about him. Again, getting more into the, the the stuff later on was interesting, though. So, yeah, the story characters loved death. Loved the show death. The big warning I would probably throw on this show, and it was like one of those things where at some point I said, because I do this with every show like this where I'm watching it separate from Chris, at some point I'll go, uh, it's probably usually the three or four episode mark I'll go, is Chris going to want to watch this? Do I, do I want to get Chris on board with this at this point? And I was thinking, yeah, probably not. This is a very, it's a very, um, it's a very gory show. Is this, like, Kaimon and Nikaido are slaughtering these, these, uh, these, uh, sorcerers when they see them. They, they don't even hesitate. Literally pops out of Kaimon's head. Kaimon says, what did the guy inside me say? The guy's like, he said, I'm not the one slice them into a million pieces like not even a not even like a hesitation like you're dead um they both sides don't see the other side as human the sorcerers don't see the people in the hole as human and they treat them as insects it's the same way the other way around if anybody in the hole can actually kill a sorcerer which is just really kaimon and nikaido they're just going to kill the sorcerers there's no is no hesitation so 
that kind of brings that element of completely pure heartlessness that these people really have for anybody else. Uh, everybody's kind of desensitized to murder and death in these worlds. And so it kind of makes it very kind of gross in that regard. So it's a very gory show. Um, it's very unapologetic. But it's also technically doing it in a humorous way. It's a very dark humor type show. Um, when somebody smashes somebody's head in, they're telling a joke at the same time. And so you got to kind of it, – it's it's a kind of humor that you kind of want to be into. Um, and I was kind of in the, the mood for it, so it worked out for me in the end. But just be be aware of that. It's a very dark, very gory show, and that is technically a lot of its humor. Um, it I would say in quotations has nudity. <laughs> uh, Netflix will let you know that it has nudity. Um, it's kind of on those things. It's kind of like the whole cross range thing where it has nudity, but it's not technically showing anything. <laughs> it's like just bareness. Uh, mainly with Abby Sue. Abby Sue is kind of like just doesn't know anything about herself. So she's kind of running around with no, no clothes on. And, and it's like, it, she doesn't really have any kind of, uh, nothing's on there. No, it's like, no, there's no drawing on there. <laughs> you just see an outline. So keep that in mind going into it. But, um, yeah, it's just a very, it's a very fascinating world. I, I was telling, uh, Chris at some point, one of the cool, fascinating things in the show is, and I, I, kind of don't want to spoil it because it was cool to me to learn it so i guess soft spoilers for the next like minute or two is it was funny that the entire beginning of the show they kept showing these these sorcerers in their hands and their fingers were like every joint was cut and it was all sewn back together and it was like i wonder if like these people got their fingers cut because that's where their magic comes out of maybe somebody you know punished them by cutting their hand off and they had to get it sewed back on and at some point, they actually reveal, like, this guy chops off his arms from the fingertip all the way up to his shoulders. And this guy comes up and goes, oh, you're looking for your sorcerer's pipe. Like, they have, or their smoke pipe. Their magic comes out of a pipe in their body, and they have to find it. And then, from that point, they can then create a tube that goes to the tip of their fingers. So, they they have to cut their arm up to find the tube, and then they have to reconstruct their arm just to have the tube come out their fingers. And it was really fascinating to kind of, like, have this why is that that way? And then you kind of forget about it and you go, that's right. Why is it that way? And at some point it goes, Oh, here, here's the answer. And it's like, Oh, cool. <laughs> I liked how you breadcrumbed that and then kind of revealed it. So, uh, the only, my only real complaint with this show is it is, it doesn't really conclude anything. <laughs> like it, it reveals something really big about one character. um, and it reveals quite a, it it kind of breadcrumbs a little bit about Kaimon, but nothing really concludes with this season. And that's probably my biggest struggle with it is I think it was enjoyable, but at the same time, knowing that it stopped at that point does put a huge kind of damper on it. Like, what was the point? <laughs> It it was a journey that does it is it, it's it's always about the journey and it was a very enjoyable journey and I did enjoy these characters and I think just for the backstories I got with several of the characters made it worth it but at the same time it is one of those ones where it's like but I don't have really much of a conclusion and that kind of stinks like you you spent quite a bit drumming up this mystery about Kaimon and you never really answered much about it so 
I don't know. I'm kind of in the mixed area on suggesting or not with the element of the ending. If you're, if you're one of those people that don't care about the endings, and you're like, yeah, you guys always say, like, you know, it's a light novel bait, and I always enjoy them. You're probably not going to have a problem because this, this one's journey was very entertaining. But there's, like, this little side of me that goes, but you technically dropped it off at the end. So like this one, and it's, a very, it's like it seems to be an issue with Netflix right now. It's like, da-da, da-da, goes to the show, or both shows that just kind of just drop at the end. And it's like, okay, no idea if you're going to have more. Well, Ghost in the Shell, we know it was going to be more, but this one I don't know of a, of a continuation. But it was fun. Very weird world. Very fun to kind of get dive into. Um, fantastic characters on the Sorcerer's side. Um, really great moments, great backstories with Shin and Noe. So if you're looking for a really quirky, weird world, you're okay with like really graphical gore, um, dark humor stuff, definitely check it out. So it's a very clever world in my opinion. So it was a good watch. So yeah, that's, uh, Dodo Hey Dodo. Check that out. If, uh, that sounds interesting to you, that's it. We're done. Yep. That's part one. Uh, to give people an idea of what we possibly will have in part two, there's there's quite a few shows that are still kind of trying to uh, wrap up for some reason. Even though technically, like, literally late next week, we have the next season starting. <laughs> uh, I have in there definitely Princess Connect, Redive, Glepner, Shirbako, or Shirbako, Shironeko Project, Zero Chronicle, uh, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, Season 2. Uh, BNA, if Netflix will actually drop it on Tuesday, <laughs> we will be able to binge it. We will binge that. The question marks... Oh, Suga Suga Mobile, we do have that one completed. Uh, the question mark ones are Dropkick on My Devil Dash, Art, uh, Wave Listen to Me. I've kind of started watching that on the side to get caught up on that one, but I'm not sure. Question mark also for Shachibato and Tama Yomi. Um, I don't know that I'll have enough time to watch that. I don't know if Chris will have time to watch those ones, but they're technically there in case we do want to get caught up on them. But um, for sure, Princess Connect, Glepner, Shirobako, Kaguya-sama, BNA, and Sugusugumomo will be on that second episode. So look forward to that. Uh, I've already told somebody before, one of those is my gem of the season for this season. There'll definitely be some fun discuss. I'm looking forward to BNA. I hope it lives up to my. <laughs> I hope it lives up to my desire to like. It's it's almost like Netflix has created this like huge desire, like give it to me, and like it sucks if it like doesn't work at all. It's gonna be like, dang it, I was waiting for so long for that. Don't overhype it. I'm gonna hype it. I'm already hyping it myself no. because I've been wanting it for so long. Just 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 temper your temper your expectations. It's, yeah, Andrew, remember it's trigger. <laughs> Trigger Andrew, I'm gonna get. I I I've, I'm. People already know that I'm not really a huge fan of Trigger. It's not that I hate their shows. I'm not a huge fan of them. So I guess people already know that from me or expect that from me. So it shouldn't surprise anybody. But yeah, check that out when that comes out. We hope you guys enjoyed this run through of shows for the spring 2020 anime season. Anything worth discussing, spoiler-wise, I don't think so. Not really. Unless you just want to rant about seeing yesterday for me. <laughs> no. I definitely don't. <laughs> it's already bad I, enough you're going to clip out half of what I said. 
I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, it's like one, every time that it's like, oh, what am I going to do here? What is Andrew going to deem too much? Anyways, we hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, again, we're at TalkingSpirit.com. You can go there for all of our anime, new and old, great community, the forming, stop, social media links on the right side, and all the good stuff. And we hope you all enjoy, and you all take care. Ose.